Welcome to Taiwan Report News Brief: News Analysis and Context from Taichung, Taiwan. I'm Donovan Smith. Up today in the program, Johnny Chang buckles. The 1992 consensus is back, and the proposed party platform's cross-strait entries are a disaster for public opinion. An internal KMT poll shows some interesting results. Finally, a new Taiwan passport design intended to differentiate from China has been unveiled. But up first, headlines. Taiwan's Food and Drug Administration has ordered Taiwanese face mask manufacturer Carry Mask to halt operations after discovering that it had, in, it had imported over three million non-medical grade masks from China in August and sold them as government ration face masks. Taiwan's manufacturing activity expanded rapidly in August as export orders continued to pick up as the COVID-19 crisis appeared to be abating, according to the Changhua Institution for Economic Research. A group of irrigation association members have filed an administrative lawsuit against the government's move to nationalize 17 irrigation associations. The Council of Agriculture is next month to inaugurate its Agency of Irrigation and Engineering. It will govern 17 irrigation associations nationwide, which have nearly 1.5 million members. The National Communications Commission has said that Aircom Inc. needs to register as a telecom service provider if it wants to provide a low Earth orbit satellite service in Taiwan, as well as comply with national laws on applying for a frequency spectrum and managing foreign investors. The Nevada-based company, which recently announced that it, is, it had chosen Taiwan as a research and development and service base in the Asia-Pacific region, filed an application to offer a low-Earth orbit satellite service in Taiwan, which some call a 6G service. The service would transmit data faster than 5G service and greatly facilitate communication for residents of remote areas and frequent air travelers, the company said, adding that the travelers would not need international roaming services when overseas. Oh, if that gets off the ground, that sounds pretty cool. Local businesses seriously affected by the COVID-19 pandemic can start applying for payroll support under the Stimulus 3.0 program after the previous Stimulus 2.0 relief package ran out of funds in the middle of July, according to the Ministry of Economic Affairs. The program is aimed at the manufacturing and exhibition centers as they are still badly affected by the pandemic. The retail and restaurant center sectors that previously received assistance under the Stimulus 2.0 scheme are no longer eligible as their business has rebounded. The military plans to purchase tactical uncrewed aerial vehicles and underwater vehicles and improve its radar surveillance and camouflage capabilities in response to the increasing military threat from China, according to a defense budget proposal it submitted to lawmakers for review. It has also announced that it placed an additional order of 21 CM-34 Clouded Leopard eight-wheeled infantry fighting vehicles. 
The new order comes on top of 284 CM-34 IFVs already ordered for the nation's military. According to the contract, mass production of the 284 combat vehicles is expected to be completed by 2023. Japan and Taiwan have agreed to reopen their borders for newly arriving expatriates and other long-term residents from September 8th. All right. KMT Chair Johnny Chang has buckled, and the 1992 consensus is back in the proposed party platform to be presented to the party congress that starts on the 6th. This is a big defeat for Chang and party reformers who had hoped to drop the 92 consensus as it is deeply unpopular with the public at large. Now, this is huge and effectively makes the party unelectable in a presidential election and will weaken them significantly in legislative elections. It won't have much impact on local elections, however. So what happened? First, the party elites came out strong and forcefully against dropping the consensus. However, he seemed to be getting some support from some big figures in the party, mostly Taiwanese figures. What probably killed off hope of escaping from the 92 consensus was that Chang knew he would lose, and he decided to avoid yet another crushing defeat. According to an internal poll, he was doomed. Almost 82%, uh, sorry, 82, yes, almost 82% of KMT members supported promoting cross-strait exchanges and dialogue on the basis of a 1992 consensus based on the Republic of China Constitution. Oh, and it gets worse. Their new proposed platform has eight points in the, uh, in the second on relations with China, several of which seemed designed to make them even less electable. Using a translation done by Ross Feingold, here they are. Number one, the ROC Constitution not only is the basis for Taiwan's democracy and freedom, it also connects the two sides of the Taiwan Strait, but it provides a legal basis for cross-strait relations and is the foundation of stable cross-strait relations. In short, that's one China, and a heavy dose of unreality. Communist China doesn't recognize the ROC Constitution, so it adds nothing to the foundation of stable cross-strait relations. Number two, cross-strait official negotiations can only be held within the ROC constitutional framework, and cross-strait official interactions must respect the reality of the ROC's existence and provide space for the ROC, and such is the core element of cross-strait official negotiations and interactions. This is pure fantasy. There's no way Chairman Xi Jinping or the Chinese Communists will respect the reality of the ROC's existence, and it actively wants to reduce space for the ROC. While KMT likes to tout so-called improved relations during the Ma administration, in reality, the Chinese side simply slowed their activities to reduce space for Taiwan and made a few small concessions, like allowing Taiwan to join a few international meetings as an observer. But also note the wording, provide space for the ROC. That puts China in the driver's seat, not Taiwan. Number three, when the Chinese Nationalist Party, a.k.a. the KMT, was the governing party, the terms 1992 consensus, 
one China, each with its own interpretation. Was ROC Constitution compliant and was a successful experience to provide cross-straits common ground while recognizing differences? Based on the 1992 consensus within the scope of the ROC Constitution, such can facilitate continued cross-strait interactions to seek ways to interact and keep pace with the times. Now, the Chinese communists never acknowledge the each side with its own interpretation and never will. Number four, the Chinese Nationalist Party has for decades resolutely opposed Taiwan's independence as well as the Chinese Communist Party's one country, two systems, as both will destroy the ROC's sovereignty. This is actually good to see. In effect, they're taking President Tsai's line that Taiwan is an independent nation with the name Republic of China, though I doubt the president resolutely opposes Taiwan's independence. It's also good that they want to codify opposition to the one country, two systems in the party platform. Number five, the mainland should abandon the use of force against Taiwan and the two sides of the strait should set an example of peaceful resolution of differences, achieve mutual respect and non-exclusion from the global community. In order to maintain peace in the Taiwan Strait, the best strategy is to simultaneously promote cross-strait interactions and U.S.-Taiwan cooperation. Well, unless there is a revolution in China, there is no way they will renounce the use of force. So this is pure fantasy. The second part seems to suggest they're hoping for parity in the relationship with the U.S. and the relationship with China, though that isn't necessarily made explicit. Number six. Legislation to monitor cross-straits agreements should be completed as soon as possible so as to continue working towards a trade in services agreement and trade in goods agreements under the Cross-Strait Economic Cooperation Framework Agreement, or ECFA. Yep, you heard that correctly. This is a big, fat middle finger to the Sunflower Movement. Kiss goodbye your efforts to attract younger voters, KMT. Number seven, in order to ensure legal, reasonable, and sensible cross-strait exchanges, the party will take the initiative to implement a code of conduct for party officials and elected office holders engaging in cross-strait exchanges and clearly stipulate the norms that party members and party officials and elected office holders should follow when engaging in cross-straits interactions. This is one of the few elements of serious reform efforts to survive. There has been a considerable outcry against so-called KMT compradors who have financial ties with China and are influenced by or outright controlled by the Chinese United Front. However, the crunch will be in the implementation of this. There will be a lot of pressure and incentives for the party to make this toothless. Number eight. Officials on both sides of the Taiwan Strait should facilitate non-governmental exchanges and avoid interfering in normal cross-strait exchanges. The freedom and basic rights of persons from Taiwan who are in the mainland should be guaranteed, and at the same time, mainland persons in Taiwan should not be discriminated against and their rights should be guaranteed. Non-governmental exchanges is a tricky one. Sometimes these can be harmless or even helpful, sporting events, for example. 
Unfortunately, often they are united front activities intended to promote communist propaganda and try to emphasize one China. Now, in these eight points, there are some improvements, but the main changes they needed to make to appeal to mainstream Taiwanese public opinion have been gutted. In that same internal internal KMT poll that show, showed almost eight almost eighty two percent of KMT members support promoting cross trade exchanges and dialogue on the basis of a nineteen ninety two consensus based on the Republic of China Constitution, there were some other interesting results. The survey showed that sixty point two percent of KMT members support limiting the term of members of the Central Standing Committee to one consecutive term, with a maximum term of eight years. Um, that's a good idea. The party has been plagued with corruption issues and an ossified power structure for a long time, though eight years is a very long term. It also found that 82.8% of party members agreed that more than half of Central Committee and Central Standing Committee members should be young, female, from overseas, or disadvantaged people, or elected representatives or officials. Nearly 86% of KMT members support the idea of having one in every five KMT nominees for legislator at large seats be younger than 40 with professional knowledge. Now, both of these would make the party somewhat more representative, which would be helpful in getting fresher input into the party. However, the failure to, to reform their cross-strait policies significantly means that these reforms are somewhat pointless. They're still going to be viewed as a pro-China, out-of-touch party no matter what. Now, the poll also asked KMT members if they support KMT Chairman Johnny Chang or Jiang Jisun's proposition that the core value of the KMT is the Republic of China. Nearly 94% of respondents said they support it. And there it is in a nutshell. You can't reform a party to direct it toward the center of public opinion when the membership itself is so far outside of the mainstream. Less than 3% of the 340,000 party members are, by the way, under the age of 40. Taiwan's government has released a new design for the country's passport, highlighting the English word for Taiwan in the hope of drawing a clearer distinction between Taiwan and China. The new cover repositions and significantly shrinks the words Republic of China, the country's official name making them hard to see at first glance, while enlarging and using a bold font for Taiwan. The Chinese version of Republic of China remains at the top of the cover, but the English version of the name originally positioned below the Chinese now circles the national emblem in the middle of the cover in little itty-bitty in a little itty-bitty font. The passport with a new cover design is scheduled to be issued on January 2021. People still using existing passports can continue to use them until they expire. So the KMT released a statement accusing the DPP of, quote, playing, again, playing ideological games, minimizing and nearly erasing the country's official name, the Republic of China, in English. Speaking to CNA... KMT legislator Liu Yi, Liu, Liu, switching languages is tough. Liu, Liu, Liu Ying Ling. Uh, 
anyway, argued that the changes were part of a DPP effort to erode people's identification with the Republic of China and suggested that the party planned to eventually remove that name from the passport entirely. The new design visually looks pretty similar to the old one, the same color and general look. Many have expressed disappointment that the government didn't consider any of the more exciting options, such as those entered into a new power party design competition. I guess the government didn't think bubble tea or bears were good motifs for Taiwan's passport. All right, be sure to support us as a patron on Patreon. Be sure to hit like and subscribe and all that good stuff. And tune in tomorrow because we've got uh, the big Czech trip, uh, improved U.S. relations, which I just couldn't get to today. This has been brought to you by the Taiwan Report. For more content like this, become our patron at report.tw.